On behalf of Pastor Mark Driscoll, we want to thank you for allowing us to bring you Jesus-centered Bible teaching. Like Pastor Mark always says, it's all about Jesus. To get all of Pastor Mark's sermons, blogs, books, and other content, please visit us at markdriscoll.org. There you can also sign up to receive additional free content from Pastor Mark and support this ministry with a gift of any amount. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. We've had a great time in Alaska and I had a great privilege of teaching this morning. And then I heard, hey, you could do something different tonight. So I I might have a sermon. We'll, 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 we'll find out in about an hour when this is all over. What I do have is an idea, something I've been thinking about, praying about, studying about, and I thought I'd share it with you. And at the end, you could tell me if it was helpful. So uh, if you've got a Bible, go to Proverbs chapter one, and I'll pray. Father God, thank you so much for an opportunity to be here with uh, some new friends in Alaska. Thank you for the hospitality, the grace, the kindness that's been extended to my wife, Grace, and I thank you that we could get her a birthday weekend away in such a beautiful place with such kind people. We pray for your blessing, your provision, your kindness on this church. And Lord God, we pray for all the churches that love and serve you in this uh, greater area of Anchorage and beyond throughout this great state of Alaska. And Father, we, uh, we thank you for the scriptures. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to allow us to understand them and that you would empower me to teach them. And we ask for wisdom, the kind of wisdom that would help us to follow in the footsteps and the example of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to be doing a little work in Proverbs today. And the big idea is this, that relationships define your life. Uh, That's what a, uh, thank you, pastor. That's what a, a pastor friend of mine told me one time recently. We were sitting down and I was trying to learn from some experiences in my life. And he said, relationships define your life. And that's true. For good or evil, relationships with other people on the earth define our life. And when we come to the book of Proverbs, it's categorically called the wisdom literature. And and let me explain this to you. The Bible gives us different needs that people have and different ways that God provides for them. And so when we sin, we're supposed to repent. When we've been sinned against, we're supposed to forgive. Uh, When we're oppressed, we need God to deliver us. When our heart is broken, we need God to help us to heal. Um, And when our life is filled with folly, we need to replace it with wisdom. And so that's really the theme and thread that winds the wisdom literature together. It's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, Song of Solomon, James in the New Testament. These are wisdom literature books, and it looks at life through this lens of three kinds of people. And that's what we're going to study together tonight. And this is really more of a big Bible study. And what we see in the wisdom literature is that there are three kinds of people. Some people are evil, uh, some people are wise, and some people are foolish. And this is true for all of us. And I would ask you, to begin with, what category would you see yourself in? An evil person, a wise person, or a foolish person? And the truth is, in all of our lives, there are aspects and areas in which we're still foolish. Areas that we need to learn, we need to grow. And where this comes into play is not only to figure out, well, what category am I in and how can I walk in a path of wisdom, but also then to inform our relationships. So there's, there's teenagers here. This is a, a young service tonight. If you're a teenager, how do you pick your friends? How do you determine who you're going to take advice or counsel from? It's usually important. Some of you are single. Who are you going to choose as a friend? Who are you going to walk in life with? And who are you going to take counsel from? Let's say you're single and you're in a relationship and you're hoping to be married one day. What kind of person should you be looking for for a married relationship? Let's say you are married. Let's say you're a wife. When you're having struggles and troubles and trials in your relationship, which women should you go to for advice or counsel? Similarly, for a husband... You're in a difficult place with your children or with your spouse. Who do you go to inviting in to know what's going on in your life and to provide some counsel that would guide the next course of life for you? These kinds of decisions, for good or evil, they really define our life. And some of you have come to a place where you don't listen to anybody because you've met a lot of evil people and a lot of foolish people. And you haven't got a lot of good counsel or trustworthy relationships. And so you've sort of closed off your heart and hardened your heart. And as a result, you've separated yourself from people and you don't listen to anybody. Well, that's not wise. 
Some of you, you're in a season where you're so broken, you're so hurting, life is so painful and so difficult, and you need counsel or friendship or advice so desperately that you're willing to receive it from anybody, and that's not wise either. So we don't want to say no to everyone and all of their counsel. We don't want to say yes to everyone and all their counsel. We want to be discerning. And we want to ask, how can we become more wise and how can we discern who is wise and then invite them to help us make decisions in our life? So we're going to look at all three of these categories. The first category is evil people. Now in saying this, we're going to jump right into Proverbs chapter one, and it has a lot to say about evil people. And the Bible actually has these three categories. But let me say for some of you, even when I use the language of evil people, some of you may have some resistance. Some of you are nice, sweet, gullible, naive people. Okay. And what that means is because you're more pure hearted and pure intended, you wouldn't try to hurt people. You wouldn't intentionally steal from people or cause damage to people, you naively think that most of the people or some of the people in the world are like you. Well, they're they're not evil. They wouldn't intentionally hurt me. They wouldn't intentionally take from me. They wouldn't intentionally abuse me or lie to me. And one of the things that the Bible teaches us is that we are sinners by nature and choice. And apart from the Lord Jesus, we're capable of great evil. And I tell you this not to make you panic, but to make you wise. How many of you grew up in a home, and don't raise your hand, especially if you're here with your parents, but you were kind of taught that you should just trust people, or you should trust adults, or that people are basically good, or they basically have a good heart, and you just need to be open and available to everyone and everything they'd say. And as you get older, you realize that's a good way to ruin your life. That some people are evil, some people are dangerous, some people are hurtful and harmful. And and he speaks of these in Proverbs chapter one, uh, beginning in verse eight. Hear my son to your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. Here's what he's saying. Listen to your mom and dad. Now, if you have a foolish mom and dad or an evil mom and dad, that's a little more difficult and complicated. But let's say you have a wise mom and a wise dad and you're a kid growing up. One of the ways that we get wisdom, we get it imparted to us generationally, okay? And the way that you parents can walk in wisdom is not that you get everything right, but that when you do something wrong, you learn from it and you tell your children the truth, whether it was good or evil from your own experience. And he says, listen to your father and mother. How many of you have found that your kids listen to their father or their mother? Any of you have those problems? Some kids say, well, I listen to mom, not dad. Other kids say, I listen to dad, not mom. It's listening to mom and dad that God speaks and works through mom and dad. And the goal is that mom and dad would walk in wisdom and that they would impart wisdom to the kids. That's the goal. And when we talk about wisdom, we're not talking about intellect. You don't have to have a high IQ to be wise. We're not talking about education. You don't need a lot of degrees to be wise. You could be a person who has a very humble intellect and a very humble education and still have great wisdom. And wisdom is listening to the Lord. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit and it's learning from the experiences of life so that if you make a mistake, you don't keep making that mistake. Wisdom also doesn't just come with age. How many of you are older and you've learned that? A lot of times people say, when I get older and wiser, well, you can be an old fool. It's possible Age and time only helps if we're learning from our experiences, not just repeating them over and over. But if we are wise and walking with the Lord, the older we get, then the more wise we become. And the hope and the prayer and the goal would be to be humble, to be teachable, to be available, to be learning from our experience so that as we grow, we grow in wisdom like the Lord Jesus did when he was on the earth. Luke tells us that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with men and God, that we would grow in wisdom through our experience and our instruction. And that hopefully would reside in the parents and that the parents would then be able to import the wisdom to the children because the parents have made some mistakes and learned some things. And if they could save their children from that pain and harm, that's part of the parenting process, amen? What happens when when people don't listen to wisdom from their parents or their spiritual parents? godly men and women who are in their life. He talks about evil people. He goes on in uh, verse nine of Proverbs chapter one, and he talks about this wisdom, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. What he's saying is that wisdom, it adorns us and it makes life 
enjoyable and it shows that we have been walking with the Lord in such a way that there is, there is pleasing joy and reward for those who walk in wisdom. What about those who choose the path of evil? Okay? And I, I don't wanna make this uh, too dark and too negative, but if you would, just think of a moment when I say an evil person, who comes to mind? And you don't need to shout it out or point at them, but, but who do you know that really fits in that category of, they're, they're evil. These are people who are just dangerous. These are people who find their pleasure in your pain. These are people that when they use and abuse others, they don't have a conscience about that. They're not bothered by that. These are not people who shed tears and send out apologies. These are people who continue to march forward and they like death and destruction. He says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. But evil people are always recruiting. They're looking to have you to join them. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood and let us ambush the innocent without reason. What he's saying is that, that evil people, they make schemes and plots and plans. Sometimes foolish people will cause harm and it was not intended. Evil people cause harm and it was intended. You know the difference? They are plotting and preparing and planning to do harm. Some people are violent. Some people are dangerous. Um, with a father's heart, I would tell you ladies that there are men like this in the world. There are men who are dangerous. They are violent. They are unsafe. Now, if you don't know that, you can find yourself in grave danger very quickly. He's talking to his son and he's saying, son, there are some men out there, some young men out there in particular. Please don't befriend them. Please don't spend time with them. Please don't join them. Please don't align with them. They're evil. They make plans to hurt people. They cause blood to spill on the ground and tears to fall from the eyes. These men are dangerous. Okay. True or false, Alaska has men like that. True. True. These are men who rule through force, through intimidation, through fear, through violence or threat of violence. And the truth is that there are evil women as well, but this particular section is talking firstly about men, young men. And those of you who are young men, let me tell you this, the Bible doesn't have anything good to say about young men. I've read the whole Bible, okay? It has some good things to say about older men with gray hair, right? It doesn't have anything good to say about young men. The only thing that it might say about good young, about young men that is good is that young men are strong, but so are pit bulls and terrorists, and I'm not sure that's a real <laughs> good thing, okay? And so what the Bible continually teaches us is that older men who are wise need to have an influence on younger men because younger men tend to run in foolish, evil packs like dogs, attacking innocent victims and causing harm. True or false, this is a problem in Alaska. Young guys run together, they're not listening to wise old men, and they're dangerous, okay? Evil people. He goes on, like Sheol, uh, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods and we shall fill our houses with plunder. What he's saying is that evil people are always looking how to take what is yours. See, godly people like to give, ungodly people like to take. Godly people think what's mine is his and so I share it with you. Evil people think what yours is mine and I'm taking it. This leads to robbery and thievery. This leads to greed and jealousy and coveting. This leads to violence and violent crime. That ultimately it is rooted in evil and the desire to steal what is rightfully yours and to make it wrongfully theirs, okay? He goes on to talk about these kinds of evil people. Uh, they invite you to throw in your lot with us and we'll have one purse. Join us, it'll be easier for you. We'll protect you, we'll cover you. There'll be money in this for you. This is where we get gangs. This is where we get violence. This is where we get stealing. This is where we get organized criminal activity. True or false, this is a problem in Alaska, especially with young men. It's evil, it's evil. My son, do not walk in the way with them. 
hold back your foot from their paths. What he's saying is, don't even begin a relationship with these evil men. Don't even begin a friendship. Don't start down the path. Um, For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood, set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. We could talk over and over and over in the whole Bible, but especially in the wisdom literature and especially in the book of Proverbs, over and over and over examples of evil people. They're just evil. Proverbs has got women as well. The adulterous woman who just really likes to wreck marriages. She's in there. The wayward wife who is always wandering away from home and chasing men that are not her husband. It gives the example over and over of the foolish young man who goes off and is doing things he should not do. And then all of a sudden he finds himself disease ridden. The wisdom literature is very practical. It's about our pots and our pans and our pains and our pleasures and our life on the earth. And when it comes to evil, this is what it's saying. This is what the wisdom of the mother and father is saying is, stay far away. You get that? Evil people, the only thing that can change them is the Lord. And apart from a divine, supernatural, transforming encounter with the Lord, all they are is dangerous and they're violent and they're destructive and they're deadly and they're evil. Now, some of you ladies will date these men and you'll think, I'll change him. No, he'll ruin you. There will be change, but the change won't be you changing him. It will be him changing you. Some of you have buddies and friends like this, or maybe you're a new Christian and the guys you used to run with or the ladies you used to run with, they were people like, they were evil people. And you think, well, I can't just break off the relationship. You might have to for your own safety and your well-being. It's fine to evangelize someone, but we're talking here is about friendship, mutuality, where you're doing life together and agreeing on how you do life. Think right now, are are you an evil person? Would people look at you and say, yeah, they're evil, they're dangerous. Are there people in your life that you would say, they're evil, they're dangerous. The admonition is, Don't spend time with them. Don't draw near to them. Separate yourself from them. Because they're dangerous, you need to protect yourself. You need to protect your family. You need to protect your kids. You need to protect your finances. You need to protect your home. Right? And what I see over and over, and it's, it's really painful and devastating, is that sometimes evil men will prey on women who are in difficult circumstances, and then havoc comes to everybody. And, and this father is saying, don't be like that. Okay? So the first category is evil people. What do we do with evil people? Get away. Get distance. Don't return their calls. Don't return their emails. Don't meet with them. Don't go out for one more date with them. Right? Don't continue in business with them. Don't go out drinking with them. Don't go out hunting with them. Don't go out fishing with them. Right? Ladies, don't go out to the club to just get some fun time with them. Separation, distance, protection, because if they're evil, you're in danger, and that's not going to lead you toward wisdom in life. Do you get that? Okay. The second category of people are uh, wise people. The third category are foolish people. So if you go to Proverbs chapter 10, we're going to look at wise people and foolish people. Now, some of you are going to struggle to even put people in categories. Okay, but this is what you have to do. This is what the Bible does if you want to have relationships with people. Because if someone's coming toward you and they say, I'd like to get to know you. Okay, well, should I get to know them? I want to be friends with you. Should I be present? I want to give you some counsel. I don't know if I should. I want to spend time with you. Should I spend time with them? I, I want to go into business with you. I don't know if I should. I want to go out with a, on, you, on a date with you. I don't know. Yes or no? Well, evil, the answer is no. 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 How about wise people and foolish people? And he's going to juxtapose these two categories over and over and over. And it's throughout the whole of the Bible, but we're going to look at it right here in Proverbs 10. And what he'll give us is the wise people are like this, but the foolish people are like this. He compares and contrasts. Okay? Uh, A wise son makes a father glad. 
but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. A wise person is a blessing to their parents. A foolish person is a burden to their parents. He starts giving us these categories to examine our life and other people's lives and say, okay, are we dealing with wise or foolish? Well, let's ask some diagnostic questions. The first is, what do their parents think about them? What a foolish person does, a foolish person is irresponsible. And so what a foolish person does is they push all of their responsibilities and burdens over to someone else. Who usually then picks up the burden for the irresponsible person? Your parents. Amen? How many parents are here? And you go, this sounds familiar. They didn't work a job, so I got to pay for them. They didn't obey the law, so I got to post bail. Right? They didn't love their spouse and kids, so now I got to figure out how to save this wrecked family. Right? They didn't walk with God, and they created a big mess, and now I'm on the cleanup crew. Conversely, a wise person is a blessing, not a burden to their parents. A wise person is a person who doesn't shift their responsibilities over to their parents. They then come along and serve their parents. And they say, when I was little, you took care of me. As you get older, I'll take care of you. A wise person goes to their parents and says, let me take some of the burden off of you now that you're getting older. I'm not a child anymore. I'm an adult and I can be responsible for myself. And as you were responsible for me when I was little, I will be responsible for you when you are old. This is the thinking of the Bible. So one of the ways you know that someone is wise or foolish is whether or not they're a blessing or a burden to their own parents. And you can tell, you'll meet some people, tell me about your kids, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of them. I love them. I mean, what, what they're doing, I'm, I'm so glad for them, their, their character, their work, their relationships, the way they conduct themselves. I'm so proud of them. It's so good to see them grow up. You ask other parents, tell me about your kids, they're like, oh, Oh gosh, we're praying for them. It's really a situation. There's a lot of drama. It's, I could get into it all, but I'll start crying. We're trying to help them out and bail them out, but boy, they've really got themselves in the situation this time. Right? Wise or foolish? Wise or foolish? Wise or foolish? Next category. Treasures gained by wickedness, verse two, do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. It says, okay, well, look at, your, look at the finances. How do they get their money? Did they get their money in an honorable way? You say, boy, they worked hard, they invested smart, they were generous to others, they stewarded their wealth well, or is it the way they get their money is really, it's shady, it's sketchy, it's scary. And then what they do with it, it's really sad. It's really sad. See, a wise person says, I'm gonna work a job, I'm gonna earn my income, I'm gonna to give to the Lord, I'm gonna be generous to others, I'm gonna pay my bills, I'm gonna take care of my responsibilities. A foolish person says, I don't like to work, I'll find another way to make money, I'll borrow from others, I'll steal from others, I'll, I'll find a way for other people to pay for me and to carry my burdens. And as a result, the way they get their money and the way they spend their money is not a wise way to handle money. And again, what happens is, Foolish people take their burdens and they push them off onto responsible people. Some of you are very responsible and so somebody keeps putting their hand in your pocket and taking money out to pay their bills. This is where we get language like enabling and codependency. You're like, you're supposed to pay your bills, not me. You're supposed to take care of responsibilities, not me. And what I find is that foolish people find responsible people and then they use them, okay? Are they a burden or a blessing to their parents? How do they obtain and then spend their money? Third category, but the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. He says, look at their life. Do you see the blessing and favor of God on it? Do you see God showing up and providing for them? Right? We worship a God who was a homeless carpenter, was not an affluent and rich guy. Right? You know you're broke when you're out trying to fish, hoping that there's a coin in the mouth of the fish to pay your taxes, Amen. That's where the Lord Jesus is at. But what we see is those who are wise and walk with the Lord in godliness, that somehow God provides for them and they have stories of God's provision. How many of you would have stories of God's provision? You're like, God just took care of me. I, I can't even explain it. God just took care, he just showed up and he provided and I don't know how it all worked. I just say, thank you, Lord, for being in my life. I appreciate, I love you. I'm so grateful for you. 
A foolish person who is not walking with the Lord, the Lord doesn't show up and he doesn't provide for them in the same way. In the same way, how many of you would give ice cream to your kid when they disobeyed? You wouldn't reward that behavior. You would reward obedient behavior to encourage more of it. And you would discipline disobedient behavior to discourage that kind of behavior. God's a father, we're his kids. And so when we're obeying him, then there is God's provision. And when we're not obeying him, it's not that God doesn't love us, but he isn't blessing us because he's correcting us to get us back onto the path of wisdom because he doesn't want to be handing out ice cream to disobedient kids because they'll think that that's what he wants is just a bunch of disobedient kids. So part of it is, do you see God's provision in someone's life? And I'm not talking about prosperity and getting rich. Does someone have evidence and testimony that God has showed up and provided in my life in ways that are just supernatural and reveal his grace and goodness? And I love the Lord and I serve the Lord and I'm not perfect and I have things to work on, but I wanna walk with the Lord. I wanna be obedient to the Lord. I wanna follow the Lord. I wanna honor the Lord. And the Lord's always taking care of me. I grew up in a house where we were poor. My dad was a union drywaller. He hung sheetrock to feed five kids until he literally broke his back feeding his family. My dad today is a few inches shorter from all the sheetrock he carried. My mom loved the Lord and she prayed a lot. And there are times that God just simply answered prayer so that we could eat. Okay? And part of it is just looking at somebody's life. And I'm not saying that I was the wise one. I'm saying that my mom prayed and I wasn't even saved yet. But if you look at somebody's life, do you see evidence of God's provision or is God just continually correcting them because they're disobedient and defiant? Another category. A slack hand, verse uh, four, chapter 10, verse four, Proverbs, causes poverty, but the diligent hand uh, of the diligent makes him rich. Look at their work ethic. The wise person works. The foolish person works works really hard at not working. They've always got a reason, excuse, a way out. Uh, One of my first jobs was working as a longshoreman. I was in my teens. I was not a Christian. I lied about my age. I falsified my birth certificate. I joined a labor union. I, I bought a car. I don't even know if I was 16 at the time. Started working at a store. And then once I turned 16, I ended up getting a job as a longshoreman. And what I would find is, Um, these guys would show up and work until payday and then they would disappear for days at a time. As soon as they got their money, they would not come back to work until they were out of money. What he's saying is wise people work and foolish people work really hard at not working. Foolish people will come up with excuses Foolish people will fake injuries. Foolish people will try and find a way for the insurance company to pay for some manufactured injury so that they can get off as much time as possible. Foolish people will stack up as much as they possibly can in their unemployment fund and then find a way to get fired. Right? And wise people work. So part of the way you know you're wise versus foolish and as you're dealing with people, are they wise or are they foolish? Because how many of you, don't raise your hand, but you got somebody in your life right now that's asking you for financial assistance and help. And one of the questions has got to be, are they wise or foolish? Well, are they willing to work? Are they willing to work or are they trying to, again, shift their burdens over to other people? Because again, what foolish people do, uh, they're actually smarter than we think. They're smart enough to find a way to shift their burdens over to those who are responsible. So it's looking at the work ethic. Let me ask you, what's your work ethic like? He then continues. How many of you are feeling bad at this point? Okay. You feeling convicted yet? What we'll find is there's always places in our life you say, by God's grace, I'm wise there, but I got a little work to do. There's an area of folly in my life. And I don't say this to condemn you, but just to illuminate some things because there may be places in your life where you're you're stuck. You're not moving forward in the grace of God or in the flow of God's grace. I have those areas in my life to be sure. But rather than just getting frustrated or giving up or losing hope, the question is, God, how can we grow in wisdom? Show me the areas in my life where I'm not in alignment with you and where if I make some course correction, I could be in the flow of wisdom and maybe then these areas of my life start to get unstuck. And so there's hope in this and there's grace in this and there's a future in this for those who are wise enough to learn from it. 
And it's not that wise people don't make mistakes and foolish people do. Here's the difference. Wise people and foolish people make mistakes and wise people learn from them. And foolish people don't. They keep making the same mistakes. They keep making the same decisions. And as a result, you keep having with them the same conversations. The story continues. I'll give you a couple more. We could do this all night, but uh, you'd all be too sad. And so we'll just go a little while further. Uh, Verse five, uh, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. What he's talking about here is someone who takes opportunity and avails themselves to them. Right? What he's saying is there are certain times where you can make progress in life, financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. There are certain seasons in life. And you know as well as I do that in Alaska, it's all about the seasons, amen? If you move here and you don't know the seasons, good luck. You're like, February, planting crops, good luck with that. You know, good luck with that. That here, possibly more than anywhere else in America, if you don't understand the seasons and the way the seasons work, you're gonna die. You're just going to die. You have to know what the seasons are like and you have to respect the seasons and you have to work in the rhythm of the seasons. Amen? We fish here, we hunt here, we plant here, we harvest here, we go outside here, we stay inside here. We understand the seasons. Life is filled with these seasons and what he's saying is wise people know what season it is. This is time to be single. I'm not just going to rush off and try and make a relationship work. No, this is time to be married. I got to move in that direction. This is the time to have kids. This is the time to pursue that career opportunity. This is the time to grow in that biblical knowledge. This is the time when I need to really invest in that relationship. This is the time when I'm done investing in that relationship. And life doesn't come with a paint-by-numbers kit. It takes wisdom. Now, the Bible gives us all the principles that we need to live our life, but the Holy Spirit then gives us the opportunity to apply those principles because sometimes we don't know what the season is and we don't know what principle applies to that particular season. And wise people take the biblical principle and they apply it to the season so their life can move forward. And foolish people are always operating and acting out of season. They're trying to work against the rhythms that God has built into the world. Um, continues. Um, verse six, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. What he says is, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what the Lord Jesus says. He says, you know what? The wise person in their heart They have a a real love for God and a willingness to learn and submit and to yield to God. And as a result, God sees their heart and and God is blessing their life. He says the evil person, there's there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of devastation that is in their heart. And eventually it comes out of their mouth. One of the ways you can tell whether you're wise or foolish and whether you're dealing with someone who's wise or foolish is just examining the words. Proverbs says elsewhere that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Do their words bring life, hope, help, healing, encouragement, godliness, wisdom, or death, destruction, condemnation, shame, hopelessness? How about you? You know, Jesus says that we'll give an account to the Lord for every word we've uttered, I've uttered a lot of words. That verse troubles me greatly. There are things in my life that I have said that I wish I could take back and remove forever. A foolish person never fixes that problem, never works on that problem, never brings that problem to the Lord, never tames that tongue. That's what a foolish person does. A wise person says, that hurt them. I can't say that. That devastated them. I need to apologize for that. That discouraged them. I can't do that anymore. Again, the difference between a wise person and a foolish person is not that they make a mistake or a sin or an error. It's that the foolish person never learns from it. And the wise person, by God's grace, really wants to. 
It's an issue of humility. It's an issue of teachability. It's, it's, it's an issue of adjustability. He continues, a couple other categories. Uh, verse seven, the memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. He says, what's their reputation? With the people who actually know them. Would people say, oh boy, yeah, they were a real blessing to me, or no, they were not a blessing to me. You know, the truth is that we live in a world where um, we don't know each other very well. And very few people know us very well. But what about the people that know you the best? Your spouse, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your best friend, your pastor. The people that know you the best, what would they say of you? Ladies, this is where I will give you something. This is a little fatherly advice, okay? I've got an 18-year-old daughter. As I look at the young women, my father's heart wants to share this. Beware of any guy who isolates you from your friends and family. Beware of any guy who you don't get to know his friends and family. A good guy has nothing to hide. A good guy wants you to get to know his parents, wants you to get to know his friends, wants you to get to know his pastor, and he wants you to hear from them who he really is. A foolish guy or an evil guy, he wants to conceal who he is. Furthermore, he will conceal himself by not getting to know your friends and your family. What he's saying here is that a wise person lives a life where people know them and can vouch for their character, the people who actually know them. What would others say of you? What would you say of others? And if there's someone that you would say, I'm interested even as a single person and maybe dating this person, get to know their family, get to know their friends, get to know them who know them best and then see who they actually are and what they actually say. I gave this counsel to a young woman and she actually met with the guy's parents and got to know them. And the father called her and said, whatever you do, don't date my son. He said, you're a very nice girl. He's a very bad guy. Well, that's a godly wise dad. What he's saying is my son isn't safe and I'm not gonna put you in danger. I'm committed to the Lord, not just my son. What would other people say? That's how you get to know someone. So before you rush into a friendship, before you rush into a business partnership, before you rush into a romantic relationship, what he's saying is make sure you figure out, are they, are they evil? Are they foolish? Are they wise? Ask the people who know them best. And that takes a little bit of time. And you're gonna to need to get to know not just them, but their whole community and their whole relationship circle. And then it comes down to this, verse eight, the, ver- the, heart of the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. A wise person says, teach me something. A fool says, I'm happy to argue. Right? A foolish person is always ready to argue. I disagree. I don't see it that way. You're wrong. What about you? They'll turn the tables. They'll find a fault, a flaw, a failure with you. Oh, let's talk about you. Let's not talk about me. Let's blame somebody else. Let's find a way out of this because a foolish person doesn't want to change. They want everyone else to change. A wise person says, I'm sure there are areas I need to change. I'm sure that I'm blind to my own blind spots. I'm sure that I am not the most objective evaluator of myself. That if there are wise people who love the Lord and love me and they bring something to me, at the very least, I'm going to consider it. Now, what this doesn't mean, what this doesn't mean is that you listen to everybody. If an evil person comes and says, let me tell you some stuff, I don't have ears to hear. A foolish person comes and says, I was thinking, no, you weren't. That's always the problem. That's enough, all right? But a wise person. My wife, Grace, and I, in the season that we have been in, we've had some profoundly wise, older, godly, seasoned, mature people say some things to us that were life-changing and life-giving, okay? And so what I would hope for you is that you'd be able to discern who's wise, and then welcome them to speak into your life. 
And when someone who is foolish is telling you, ah, you have discerning hearing, selective listening. When someone evil is speaking, that's not echoing the voice of the Lord. You ignore that altogether. My fear is that when some of us get into a place of deep pain, deep grief, desperation, we say, I don't know what to do. Then we're willing to listen to anyone and everything. Well, that's not good. Because foolish people and evil people, they will speak, but it will not help. When wise people speak, it's like Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they listen to me. It's, it's like we hear, okay, that's an echo of the voice of the Lord. That sounds like God's wisdom. That sounds like God is speaking through them. That, that is consistent with the Holy Spirit in me. That's consistent with God's word. That's consistent with God's character. When they speak, I hear, I hear the echo of the voice of the Lord and I receive that. And if, if they show something in my life that is amiss or askew, then I'm willing to adjust because I, I want to walk in wisdom. I want to walk in humility. And again, let me say this. Wisdom is not based on intellect. It's not based on IQ. It's not based on education. It's based on humility. It's based on discernment. It's based on the Holy Spirit being in you and helping you to discern what is from the Lord and what is not from the Lord to receive that which is good, to reject that which is evil. And it all culminates in character. And I'll close with this in verse nine. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. And I would encourage you to read the rest of the chapter. It goes on and on and on and on and on. What he says is wise people are like this, but foolish people are like that. And wise people are like this, but foolish people are like that. And wise people are like this, and foolish people are like that. And one of the things that we must be careful is to be wise enough to say, at least in some areas, I'm foolish. Anybody comes up to me and says, I'm wise, I'd say, obviously not. (laughs) Even if you're a wise, mature, growing Christian, there are still areas that we are prone to folly and areas that we still need to learn and we still need to grow. There's still areas that God is working on us and in us and through us. And so there's a need for humility and teachability for all of us. Would you categorize yourself as evil? Some of you say, you can't judge me. I didn't. I'm asking you to judge yourself. The Bible says that, that we should judge ourselves. Would you consider yourself evil? Would you consider yourself foolish? You know what? I'm not evil in that I'm plotting to harm people all the time. I'm foolish and irresponsible, and I cause a lot of people pain and grief, but it's because of my immaturity and irresponsibility. I keep doing the same thing and it ain't working and I argue with people who point it out. I'm foolish. Are you wise? Are you wise? And if you want to grow in wisdom, we all need to grow in wisdom. And I would encourage you to grow in wisdom. Again, that's what it says about the Lord Jesus in Luke 2. He grew in wisdom. To grow in wisdom is like mining for gold. I needed to have one Alaskan illustration. So here it is, right? You guys dominate the reality television shows. Congratulations. Every other show on TV is filmed in Alaska. Good job. Some of my favorite shows in Alaska are the gold mining shows. And I'm sure they're fake, but don't ruin it for me and tell me the truth, okay? Um, So the gold mining shows, what I love about the gold mining shows is that uh, to be a good gold miner, you need to know where the gold is and where the gold is not. Because you can be scooping dirt and putting it in a truck and driving it to uh, you know, a conveyor belt to run through a sluice box and you could just be running dirt all year and have no gold. Okay? And so what, what they do is they figure, okay, where's the gold? We're gonna go dig there. Where have we found gold before? Where, where do we pan and initially find gold? Perhaps there's more there. And here's what Proverbs 16, 16 says. It says that wisdom is more precious than 
gold. How many people came to Alaska looking for gold? How many people came to Alaska looking for wisdom? Not as many as we're looking for gold. (laughs) But what Proverbs says is that if you were looking at it from God's perspective and God said, okay, you can have wisdom, you can have gold. You can only have one. Which hand do you want me to put your gift in? What's your answer? Almost everybody would say, Gold, but what happens if you get gold without wisdom? Pain and misery. Pain and misery. Because if you get gold and you don't get wisdom, pretty soon you're out of gold. Okay? And what Proverbs is saying is, if you got to choose between wisdom and gold, that gold and wisdom would be fine. I'm not against it. But that wisdom is more valuable than gold. Because gold is for this life, wisdom is for this life and the life to come. Gold helps you with some things, but wisdom helps you with everything. Gold actually could make your life more painful, more unbearable. Wisdom actually makes your life more joyful and more fruitful. And so as God's people, if you are one of God's people, you become one of God's people today, you realize that you're a sinner and you need a savior and that apart from Jesus, you're prone to evil and folly. Just think of all the people who have gone out into the Klondike looking for gold and say, you know what? God's people should be at least as diligent looking for wisdom. Where do we go to find it? Where's the good dirt? Where do we pan for it? Where do we mine for it? Where do we get it? And I'll close with some areas. Um, Firstly, where do you get wisdom? The Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, in the Bible, is called the spirit of wisdom. It's literally what he's called. James 1 has this uh, statement that I pray more than any other prayer. And it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. And basically the answer is God will give it to you. So if you're in a situation, you're like, I don't know, God, what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know where to go. Who do you ask? God. Holy Spirit, you say, if I need wisdom, to ask you and you'll give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, I need wisdom. I don't want to do something evil. I don't want to do something foolish. I want to make a decision here that's wise. How many of you right now, you got a big decision to make somewhere in your life? Some decision you've got to make and you're trying to figure out what is the will of the Lord? Ask for wisdom. And the spirit of wisdom loves, he loves to answer that prayer. God loves to answer the prayer for wisdom, just like every parent is delighted when a kid walks up to them and says, I got a big decision to make. I want to get it right and honor the Lord. I was wondering if you could help me make the decision. How many of you are praying that your teenager is listening? Right? God is a father. He loves us. And when we come to him and we ask him for help and wisdom, his answer is always, of course, thanks for asking. It shows me you're actually teachable at this moment. So we get wisdom from the Holy Spirit. And this is a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. And this is the life of Jesus. Who lived the wisest life of anyone who's ever lived on the earth? Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he was filled with wisdom. The Bible says that he acted in complete, continuous, perfect wisdom. Jesus never said or did anything evil and Jesus never said or did anything foolish. There's no one like him. He's perfect. How did he do it? By the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. He told us in Luke 4, when he began his public ministry, he quotes Isaiah, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove upon him. Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, that he was led by the Holy Spirit. Even when he was a little boy, it says as he was arguing with all the theologians, they were mesmerized because they couldn't believe how much wisdom he had as a little boy. Where did he get that wisdom? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You can be young and wise if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You can come from a poor family in the middle of nowhere and be wise if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
That's the story of the Lord Jesus. And let me tell you this about the Lord Jesus. He's glad to forgive your sins, but he's equally glad to get you around them. See, forgiveness is what happens when we choose evil and folly. Wisdom is what gets us around evil and folly. And so it's good to stress the forgiveness of Jesus, but it's really beneficial to walk with him before you get into all the trouble, amen? Amen. And that's what wisdom does. Wisdom says that's evil and that's foolish and there's Jesus. He'll get you around the wisdom and the folly and walk in the path of wisdom. And that's by the person, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus walked by the power of the Holy Spirit and he sends us the spirit of wisdom so that we can walk in wisdom. Second place you get wisdom is, take a guess, the Bible. The Holy Spirit wrote a book through people called the Bible. And this is the wisdom of God. And part of the function of the scriptures is to grow us in, what's it say? Wisdom. Which means as we look at the stories of other people's lives and as we hear the word of God and the Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of scripture illuminates our understanding, all of a sudden we're like, you know what? I'm learning some stuff. I'm not gonna do that anymore because that's evil or that's foolish. That's wise. That's what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus did. And all of a sudden the wisdom of God's word starts to integrate with our life and it starts to alter our life course and the choices we make. So if you want to grow in wisdom, read your Bible, study your Bible, memorize your Bible, pray through your Bible. Some of you say, I've heard that before. Are you doing it? Right? Are you doing it? It's like a gold miner saying, well, there's a lot of gold over there. Are you digging? If you're not digging, there's no gold. Just knowing where it is doesn't help you unless you go dig it up. Okay. Third thing, wisdom comes from, take a guess, wise people wise people. Who do you know in your life that's wise? They're wise. Those are the people you should sit down with and say, thank you. I know some foolish people and some evil people. The wise people are on a short list. Thank you. And I'm in a situation or I need to learn some things and I'm coming with a notebook and a pen, and I'm gonna ask you some questions, and I'm gonna write down the answers, I'm listening. Fools argue, wise people take notes, okay? And it's figuring out, let's say you've got marital trouble, look around and ask, who seems to have marital wisdom? They love each other, they're doing good. You're having trouble with your kids, look at people that have good godly kids that love the Lord, Say, you know what? I'd like to ask you some questions. My kids are evil, you know? (laughs) And your kids are wise. And I need help. And I need to figure out how to help these kids grow in wisdom. Maybe you're struggling in your finances. You're like, I don't know how to find a job. Find somebody who helps people find a job and they love Jesus. And say, I need a job. You help people find a job. Help me find a job. What do I need to learn and know and do? Some of you, you get your money. You don't know what to do with your money. You're bad stewards of your money. Find somebody who's good with their money and sit down and say, you're good with your money. I'm bad with my money. I'm foolish here. You're wise there. Teach me. Tell me. Help me figure this out. What this takes is some humility, some teachability. But here's what wise people love to do. They love to help. Wise people don't want you to feel stupid or foolish. Wise people started as stupid and foolish. They made mistakes and learned from them and other people taught them and they want to help you avoid the pain that is otherwise in your future. And, and, and that's the benefit of the church and the people of God. There are people here that have all kinds of wisdom. And yes, you have a good pastor and yes, you have good leaders, but some of the wisdom is in the normal, regular folks that are living their life and working their job and they would be incredibly helpful because they have particular wisdom through their life experience and their relationship with the Lord. When Grace and I were in college, we had a few people that just deposited tremendous wisdom into our life. They weren't pastors. These were humble, hardworking, normal, regular people that had great marriages and lovely children and they enjoyed the grace of God and it was miraculous to see and we wanted to learn from them. One of these families had a lot of kids and we got to observe their family. Come over for dinner, babysit the kids, hang out. I'm just watching, I'm a new Christian. Like, okay, dad's praying with the kids, write that down. All right, you're like, okay. 
Oh, look, they've got a Bible. Write that down. Okay, what else? Oh, they're, they're praying together. Write that down. Oh, the kid did something wrong and dad didn't yell at him or shame him. He took him aside, kissed him, prayed over him, showed him what they did wrong and then forgave him. And then the kid was back to obeying their mom and dad. Oh, okay, write that down. Sometimes it's through observation and it's getting in the life of a person who's wise and watching. Hmm, that's how they do it. Not all wisdom is in a book. Sometimes wisdom is in a person and you gotta follow them around to see what it looks like. Number four, you'll find wisdom by watching fools. Okay? Right? I mean, this is half, half the videos on YouTube are an illustration of this point, okay? And I'd, I'd be the first to admit, I've got foolish things I've said and done in my life and you should learn from those as well. But what Proverbs is about is vicarious learning. And the dad's like, see that guy over there? He's really hungry. Yeah, why is that, dad? He doesn't go to work. Oh, go to work. See that guy over there? You notice his house is falling down? Why? He never did the repairs. And now he's got a leaky roof and a sagging floor and his house is breaking. See, son, you gotta, you gotta maintain your house. See that guy over there? Yeah, you notice his wife is running as fast as she can down the road. You know why? He was mean to her. Proverbs teaches this vicarious learning. And sometimes my friend calls it letting someone else pay your dumb tax. Right? So if somebody's going to pay the dump tax and they've already paid it, let, let that cover your bill. And so sometimes it's watching fools and realizing that didn't work. And so it's not that we um, don't love fools, but that we don't want to follow in their path of folly. And we've all been foolish. And this is sometimes just telling the truth about the mistakes in our life. I did this. It was stupid. It was wrong. Let me tell you about it. So you don't do the same thing. And it's vicarious learning. It's learning through the example of others. And then number five, it comes from self-reflection. I'm a person who has historically been all about the windshield, not about the rearview mirror. It's been one of my foolish life actions. What's next? What's next? What's next? Not, hmm, What can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? How do I process this? What did I do wrong? What did I say wrong? How could I learn from this? How many of you are more windshield than rear mirror people, right? Self-reflection is occasionally stopping and looking back saying, okay, what was there in my childhood that marked and marred me, maybe in a good or a bad way that I really need to pay attention to? What are some of the hurts and wounds in my past that maybe I've not forgiven and healed from? What are some of the relationships in my life that have really marked me for good or for evil? What are some of the experiences that maybe I've not processed or learned from or healed from? What are some of the mistakes that I've made that I just keep making? Why do I keep falling into these relationships? And why do I keep dating the wrong guy? Well, it's good to sit down and think about that before we pick the next guy. And actually give some time to these questions and reflecting on your own life And that's what Proverbs does and that's what Ecclesiastes does and that's what Job does and that's what the wisdom literature is all about. People sitting down and saying, before I plow ahead, I wanna look back and make sure that I learn so that I don't make the same mistakes tomorrow that I made yesterday. And this is where it's silence and solitude and prayer and journaling and time with the Lord and looking at your life and your life story and the experiences of your life. And if you hit something there that you say, that is so painful and so awful, I can't revisit that, then that means it's the most important thing and you need to start there first. So you can learn from it. So you can heal from it. So you can move on from it in wisdom. Couple of questions. Are you evil, wise, foolish? What are the areas of folly in your life? They say, yeah, I need to learn and grow there and I need some work there. Maybe I'm not foolish everywhere, but I'm foolish there. I've got those categories. Where is wisdom for you? Where has God placed gold that you need to go panning for? Who do you need to talk to? What questions do you need to ask? What things do you need to learn? And then lastly, how are you responding to people who are evil and foolish and wise? If someone is evil, you got to distance, separate, protect yourself. 
If someone is foolish, you need to stop taking responsibility for their irresponsibility and you need to allow them to experience the pain of the consequences of their own decisions. Let them feel the pain. They've shifted the pain to you. Shift it back to them with consequences, not out of anger or hatred, but out of love. And hopefully, with enough pain, they'll be motivated to make some adjustments. Okay? This is what Proverbs says. Eventually, a guy gets hungry, and then he gets a job. Okay? How are you responding to evil people? How are you responding to foolish people? How are you responding to wise people? Are you receiving them? Are you welcoming them? Have you even looked at the wise people in your life and said, I invite you to speak to me. I invite you to correct me. When I say or do something stupid, I say this to my wife, Grace, a lot. I need you to love me enough to point it out so that I make some course corrections and and, and I change. Are you inviting wise people to help you? Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. No one comes into this world with wisdom. We all start as evil. We meet Jesus and then we realize we're fools. And by God's grace over time, we pursue wisdom. So there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be embarrassed of. This is just the, pan, the plan and the path of God for those of us who went from evil, then you meet Jesus, you realize you're foolish, and then you grow in wisdom by the Spirit of God through the Word of God in relationship with the people of God. Father God, I thank you for an opportunity to, to share some things I've been thinking about and convicted by. Lord, I confess I can look back on my life and I can see things that I've said and done that are evil. I can look back in my life and see things that I've said and done that are foolish. And Lord God, I could see people you put in my life who are wise and they could help me in the areas that I've been evil and or foolish. Lord, I pray pray for my friends. I pray for those that are here that, um, that are evil. And there are people that'll hear this, they're evil. They find pleasure in other people's pain. They like to tear people down, not build them up. They like to take from people, not give to people. They make plots and plans to harm people, not to bless people. Some of these people are overt. They're dangerous. They're they're scary. They're unsafe. Some of them are covert. They're passive aggressive. They work behind the scenes. They pretend to be one way and they're another. I pray, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit to convict them and to show them that apart from Jesus, all there is is death and damnation for those who are evil. And that they turn to the Lord Jesus for forgiveness. Lord, I pray for those of us who are foolish or have aspects of our lives that are marked by foolishness. Lord God, we're saying and doing things that just aren't working. It shows up in our relationships. It shows up in our finances. It shows up in our emotional state and health and well-being. It shows up in our reputation. It shows up in our family. Lord God, we've been a burden and not a blessing. We've we've shifted our responsibility to those who are responsible. Other people are picking up our mess and paying our bills and apologizing for our life. Lord God, we confess that we all have at least aspects and elements of our life that are marked by folly, things we're ashamed of and embarrassed by, places that we're totally stuck. Holy Spirit, would you help us to pursue wisdom? Would you help us to desire wisdom? Would you, would you help us to realize that, that money wouldn't solve all of our problems, that ultimately wisdom is the only thing that helps everything? Would you cause us to value wisdom more than we do even wealth and gold? Lord God, would you help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and yield to the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit? Would you help us to understand and have a deep appetite for the Scriptures? Would you help us to learn from wise people? Would you help us to learn from the examples of others? Would you help us to evaluate our life and to walk in wisdom where we have been foolish? And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are perfect and that you are all wise. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you there is no evil and there is no folly. We thank you that you're patient and you're humble and you're gracious with us in our evil and our foolishness. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, 
to inspire the writing of scripture, to change our hearts, to renew our minds, to refresh our desires, that we might walk in wisdom. And Lord, I pray for my friends. I pray for my friends that they would walk in wisdom, and that they would take this wisdom and they would share it with their children and their children's children. And that, Lord God, we'd be honest about our own sins and our faults and our failures and our flaws. That we would let everyone that we're able to know that in these ways, the Lord Jesus has been good to us and has saved us from ourselves. Lord God, may our children and our children's children have the grace to learn from our foolishness and our evil so that they might walk in wisdom. May the children listen to their fathers and mothers. Lord God, we pray against generational folly and evil. And Lord God, I just feel compelled in the Holy Spirit to pray for those who come from generations of evil. Their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents have been marked by evil, doing evil, and it has infected and affected the family. It has marked them in a painful and devastating way. I pray, Lord God, for deliverance for those people through the power of the Holy Spirit that they would not just be true to their mother and father, but they'd be true to their heavenly father. And that, Lord God, you would give them wisdom to start a new family line and a new legacy, a, a new opportunity for their children and grandchildren to grow in wisdom and not in evil, to grow in godliness and not ungodliness. Lord God, I pray for those whose family line is marked by folly. One generation drinks and the next generation drinks. One generation commits adultery, and the next generation commits adultery. One generation tries to take advantage of the system, the next generation tries to take advantage of the system. One generation tries to push their responsibility onto others, and the next generation tries to push their responsibility onto others. Lord Jesus, today we ask in your name that you would break this generational cycle of foolishness and folly. And I pray a double portion of this blessing, Lord God, on the young men the young men who are statistically most prone toward foolishness and folly, toward wasting their years instead of investing their years, toward grieving their mother and father rather than bringing gladness to their mother and father. And Lord God, we thank you that there is wisdom in the Holy Spirit. We thank you that there is wisdom in the scriptures. We thank you that there is wisdom in godly people. We thank you that there is wisdom as we learn from the examples of others. And we thank you that there is wisdom as we sit and reflect on our own life. And I ask Holy Spirit that this week, driving in the car, sitting home alone, that we turn the radio off, we turn the TV off, we turn the phone off, and we'd meet with the Lord. And that Holy Spirit, you would visit us and you would reveal to us the areas in which we're evil. You'd reveal to us the areas in which we're foolish. That you would be as you always are, gentle and humble and meek and loving and patient and kind. And that you'd bring us the wisdom of Jesus so that we might walk in a new path, following in his footsteps until we're together with him forever. We ask in his good name. Amen.